everyone and welcome back to Haunted History Chronicles. Before we introduce today's podcast or guest, if you like this podcast, please consider leaving a review. It costs nothing, but it helps share news of the podcast and guests I feature with others interested within the paranormal. It's a simple and easy way to help the podcast continue to grow and be a space for people to chat and come together. If you haven't already found us on the Haunted History Chronicles website, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, you can find links to all social media pages in any of the notes for an episode. Come and join us to get involved and gain access to additional blogs, news and updates. And now, let's get started introducing today's episode. When you look back at prison records and through the list of executions attributed to Bodmin Jail, it's hard not to empathise with the souls imprisoned there for offences as trivial as stealing a loaf of bread. And whilst murder may be deemed an acceptable crime to receive the death penalty, it's hard to justify such a sentence for forgery, sheep stealing or setting fire to a corn stack. The last execution took place on July 20th, 1909. William Hampton, aged 24, been found guilty and sentenced to death for the strangulation and murder of his girlfriend, who was aged just 16 at the time. William Hampton spent his 24th and last birthday at Bodmin Jail. His final month saw him placed in the condemned cell. Having had his sentence conferred by a judge, he waited for three consecutive Sundays to pass, so as to fully contemplate the severity of his crime and prepare to meet his maker. On the day of his scheduled execution, he was led to the spot above the hanging pit, where his legs were bound and the noose placed around his neck. With such a powerful and dark history, it's no wonder that it is a location that proves popular for both paranormal enthusiasts and historians. It's a location that speaks on so many levels and certainly has stories to share around every corner. It draws you in like a magnet. Joining me today is Kirsten Honey spiritual communicator and the paranormal manager at Bodmin Jail. When not at the jail, she spends time working in her shop in Bodmin, using healing techniques and uplifting people doing readings either by card or through general connection. She's going to take us on a journey exploring the haunting past of Bodmin Jail and some of the many paranormal reports experienced at this eerie, but also profoundly beautiful building that is firmly placed at the centre of Cornish history. So get comfortable, and let's greet our guest. Hi Kirsten, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um, Yeah, so uh, I was born and brought up in Cornwall, so I'm Cornish um, by birth, and I've dotted myself around the country as the years have gone by. Um, I'm obviously paranormal manager at Bodmin Jail here in Cornwall, and I have done this now here for eight years. My work is very intense and very um, specialised. It's a very specialised field. And I have done what I do all my life. So, yeah, we, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit about that as well. I mean, I think you have an incredible location that you're a paranormal manager of. I mean, Bodmin Jail really does have that reputation, not only for its history, but obviously for the, the paranormal associated it. So you are incredibly lucky. 
oh, I, I, you don't have to tell me. Every day I walk through the gates and I'm like, yeah, this is a job. You know, I stand outside sometimes and I look from the roadside and I look at the building and I'm just like, wow, this is one of the biggest paranormal venues in the world. And I get to be here. I get to share this. I get to understand this building at, at levels that most people just wouldn't even realize. How would you describe the kind of the atmosphere of the prison? Because I think, you know, for, for someone maybe who isn't familiar with it, what kind of feel does it have as you walk walk into it and just hunt around and explore it? I think the first thing that you need to take in is just the breathtaking visual of it. I mean, this building is so unique and it's it's remained standing in most part. It was just the aesthetics and a lot of the, the more detailed stuff, like the roof, which is always handy, um, and the wings that were so broken. But just to look at this building in its full capacity is, is just mind-blowing. It's breathtaking. Um, and then when you walk inside the gates, you literally are in a different world. You just lose your sense of being for a second. Then as you walk in through the jail itself, um, I think, you know, you go through the attractions, very submersive and very animated, and you get into the, the nitty gritty of the building, you get into the wings themselves. Um, so in half, of, half of the structure has become the hotel, um, which still looks like a prison. It's, it might be a hotel, but it still visually looks like it was all those years ago, just with a, a few finer details. Um, and then we have this incredible, incredible building that kind of draws you back to 300 years and you're sitting literally within the environments that all our prisoners did. And bear in mind, we have so much layering in history. Um, not only was it the, the very first Victorian British built jail in this country, it was also the very first for Cornwall um, and actually indeed ended up being the last prison ever to exist in Cornwall. Uh, we had three jails on site. So we have uh, originally our debtors prison, uh, a civilian prison and a naval prison. So you can just imagine as you go through the feelings that you get from all of these different um, people from well different backgrounds and societies as we as we look at it. I mean it really does have this very rich very deep history doesn't it I mean we're talking about a prison that dates back to the 1700s um, yeah. and like you mentioned just the fact that it's been used for different purposes used by the navy the fact that it was a location that saw public hangings. Um, I mean, just an incredible array of different things that have happened over the last few hundred years, really. Do you want to just share yeah. some of that history? Take us back to those first you know, incarnations of the prison and how it's kind of evolved to where it is today. Yeah, so we have this very um, structured, designed building. We have a very um, deep structure that was placed within the walls of the jail. It was the very first one to have um, a prison reform act done by John Howard. So not only were prisoners coming in knowing that they were you know, going to be um, placed in these cells, it was going to be a single cell structure, so one prisoner per cell. Um, they were the first ever to have heating. It must have just blown their minds. Like um, They had lighting by way of candlelight later to become gas lights. They had, um, you know, an education system, medication reforms, you reforming people to become better people so that when they left here and they go back into their 
own society they have something to give back and they've learned all these skills religion was deeply embedded within this this structure as well and then you have the very military feel of uh, the naval prison and so that was a different structure again dealt with purely by the navy that lessened our responsibility as a civilian prison but we also had men women and children that came here so we had huge responsibilities for the children um, and and ensuring that they were safe and, and educated and, and well-rounded individuals when they left we had our own medical facility so we had our own hospital on site everything was in-house it's just phenomenal um, and you know that truly is reflected when you when you're looking at the paranormal side of the business it, we we get huge reflections um of this straight away actually <laughs> i mean it makes sense doesn't it because you've got just different types of people um from every kind of walk of life from wardens from from those that were incarcerated there from you know military personnel i mean just just that real breadth and and broad kind of aspect of society really kind of being portrayed not only through its history but the possible paranormal encounters yeah, and I think I think it's it's nice that you recognise the fact that it's not just about the prisoners because part of my work I talk about you know don't forget that this building you know has land that it was built on it also has staff that were here day in day out these were the functioning parts of the building that that kept everything going you know then they you have in very close proximity to the jail just outside the gates you've got the governor's house I mean huge responsibility huge auras he walks through the building you've got the the chaplain who lives right next door to the governor himself just down the road you've got the chief warders cottages where they lived with um, their families you had the original gatekeepers houses where they lived and worked within their environment you just have this whole array you know you have to remember you've got people that were coming in and maintaining the building you have um you know a blacksmith who lives just down the road the farrier he would come up and, and maintain the horses that were here on site and also traveling um so when you're talking about hangings you've got the executioners who would travel to this site so when you walk through it's not just as easy as all oh, the people here who were imprisoned or incarcerated so we just pick up on them we pick up on so so many things including some animals as well now i know you have a, a, a fondness for dogs um and spiritually we we pick up on a couple of dogs here as well which doesn't surprise me because obviously given the, what we've just been talking about with this fact that this was a location and housed so many different types of people you know not just prisoners but families people who live there of course they may have animals but then you've also got the the very nature of the prison itself with the fits was a jail so you might have other animals kind of strays wandering around just by the nature of the conditions you know picking up scraps feasting on rats you know so cats, rats, yeah yeah so all of those types of things rats cats you'd expect to have them and and dogs yeah. possibly because of those that live there so it makes complete sense well we pick up on one particular cat um and actually very recently we've had someone who said did they have cats here because we can feel this cat smooching around our legs like and we and these people have looked and thought my gosh is there a cat just got in here you know we're talking in the middle of the night where we're working internally in the building and then we have 
um, a spaniel-like dog that runs around, just a little crazy thing, um, and, a, and a small dog like that. And then we have um, a dog which uh, I believe was a Weimaraner, um, or a dog very similar to that breed, that actually was uh, the chief warder's own animal that he would bring in sometimes. So, you know, when people don't know this information, then they pick up on this this little this little nugget of history it always makes me smile because I think you know what you're picking up on the true story of what it was like to be here in Bodmin Jail just a tiny aspect of it which is fantastic isn't it really I mean I, again yeah. I think this is why you have such a privileged job because you get to see all of this kind of an unfold really and yeah. and that's so exciting it's really you know it really is and and I know people will say to me sometimes oh but you you believe in this so yeah you would definitely experience this stuff and and people will say oh I don't know if you've ever heard before and, and I I stop them and I say you know what it doesn't matter if I've heard it a hundred times before what really matters to me is that you're experiencing this building yourself and you're feeling the things that I felt here for years I'm not going mad after all. <laughs> you know, it really it impacts because, you know, I know I'm not mad, but my stories aren't the important ones, really. The, the important stories are first and foremost those of the people who were here and then of people coming in because everybody's experience is different. And when you can collate information by hundreds of different people experiencing things that aren't publicly you know known that it's not the usual hangings and stuff like that this is where the intensity of the building really holds its own and the paranormal phenomena here is just exceptional absolutely and you know, again that exciting part of being able to collect and to yeah. make those connections i mean and just history coming to life really and, and, and prove that those experiences yeah 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 and just proving that their own experiences they're not crazy they're real the, these Absolutely. are these are real experiences so in terms of what life was like for inmates what were conditions typically like for those that were incarcerated at bodmin i think we need to look back a little further to appreciate um, what this building is because just prior to the jail opening I'll give you an example of a debtor's prison so our, we had a debtor's prison that was moved from a different location in town to Bodmin Jail um, they kind of re reimmersed it into this building on this site and the debtor's prison prior to this one opening was just a room with with barred window uh, holes essentially no glass um, a gateway and prisoners were just held in them. They were just placed in one room. They were left to eat, sleep, drink, go to the toilet, be sick and sometimes die on the same floor. So when you're looking at a community of people living within the same environment, albeit short term, no more than a couple of weeks, you've got very, very poor conditions. These are the ones that you see on the TV that we, we kind of associate with Victorian life, where we have straw on the floor and people are coughing and they've got disease. And I think people would be very lucky to come out of those situations without sickness. When we move to Bodmin Jail, we have a building that not only is brand new, but the system that was put in place here was new. So a single cell structure literally wiped out half of your risk of getting disease and illness. So essentially, conditions here were much, much better. 
heating was 14 to 15 degrees in the winter so we were keeping people alive but not overheating them those are conditions that were never ever put in anywhere else um, we really did found the prison uh, system to be honest in this country and then you look at um, the flip side to all of this this glamour almost that we're, we're faced with in is an amazing new building amazing clean prison system we had hammocks to sleep on we didn't have to sleep on the floor later that went to beds and mattresses and then we have hard labor and the conditions inside I think were mental more than physical for our prisoners. Mentally, they were breaking down people in society in order to rebuild them. So just the pure fact that spending 23 hours a day in your cell, locked away in pure isolation, with rules put in place like you are not allowed to speak unless you are spoken to. You're not allowed to make eye contact unless you are given permission. Having to live in those conditions for several months at a time, even years, must have been some of the worst conditions people could have faced. So, yes, there was still disease. Yes, they did have ensuite almost. They had a bucket in their cell. But that's where you went to the toilet. So we have these conditions that were still quite poor and chilly and and just really harrowing. And, and people, it was proven people were scared to come to Bobman Jail. The deterrent factor of this building is just incredible. And, you know, when I'm talking to people, I try to get them to place themselves in a situation just like those people, even know that they can have free choice to leave at any time. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is where we can see the real contrast between what it's like today in modern prisons and to those of the past, because you've got just a completely different ethic really i think then it was very much a deterrent back then it was almost a social warning wasn't it and, and hence why somewhere like bodmin had a reputation that it did that people would fear it and and the aim therefore being that you're you're making a spectacle of prisoners and, and making things like public hangings and all of these other things something as a as a way to signpost people to you have to live a better life you have a moral life you don't want to end up here in these kinds of conditions, having this kind of existence for however long that prison stay may be, or take it to the final conclusion, you don't want to be someone that's on the scaffold. It was very much that kind of warning, that fear factor of it all. 100%, 100%. I mean, we know that there are people who, well, one particular gentleman, he didn't even make it into a cell. He committed suicide outside the gates. Um, and it was notable that he was the most jovial prisoner being brought to the jail and he got outside and, and you know, that was, it was planned for him. He planned every single detail and he cut his own throat before being entered into the building. Um, and he, he consequently died as a result of his injuries. But he was scared. He didn't want to come to the jail. He didn't want to be in this position, in this building where just isn't is torture absolute torture you know and there is that that social moral standing where the you're ridiculed you're pushed out in society you're made an example of and and sometimes you know what these people were never guilty That's absolutely and and also i think we have to recognize that many of the crimes that someone could imprison for back then i mean they're they're totally different now they would just be a slap on the wrist they wouldn't be something yeah. that would necessarily see you facing jail time, let alone the very extreme forms of punishment. 
Yeah, I mean, take for instance, you know, we have people here who are hanged for steal stealing a sheep. And you think, at what point, I just, you know, what point does it give, like, how do you justify hanging someone for stealing a sheep today? You can't do that. So, you know, but the, the society they lived in then was super different. So you have a society where food was being grown and sold and made and, and as it is today, but very, very limited amounts and it was expensive. So if you were to kill people's animals, anything that affects the food chain, anything at all, you set fire to corn, that could be a farmer's business done for the rest of the year. How does he then make money? How does he then feed his family? I mean, I know farmers recently have faced very similar things, but in those days you were hanged for it because you were given the worst punishment possible for the worst outcome that may happen to 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 the person who who is suffering so their family members might die from starvation or disease because they don't have the money or the food to keep these families going so yeah it was it was definitely harsh times real real harsh times you know children children being placed in here uh stealing a blanket <laughs> um they're freezing to death so they're going to take an opportunity right or, or they're starving to death so they steal an apple and they get hard labor for three months and i just think and they're tried as adults they're not even tried as children so the whole social understanding of, of how we deal with crime and punishment oh we were just going full force it just got to a point where it's too much so let's just give them the full impact the the full capacity of punishment as you say use it as deterrent use it as fear to control and organize society again have an idea of the numbers that have have, yeah, have, we have sad, been through we have about over thirty three thousand prisoners an immense number isn't it i mean you just that yeah. looks like it's a huge huge populace of people yeah staggering a incredible a absolutely incredible you know, some people be like well that's not that much over the years that it was open and but we were short term but also we were trying not to get people in prison we were trying to keep people out of prison but thirty three thousand. You know, some people say to me, Kirsten, do you know, you know, who this prisoner is? And I say, well, I have over 33,000 to choose from. Sometimes it's impossible to know who you're talking to. It's a lot of records. It's a lot of data. And um, which which only is as good as the records that were kept, the people who were keeping them. And absolutely. if they weren't prolific criminals, if they weren't people who were of any substance, would we keep them? No, we don't keep those records. It's very, very difficult. Yes, we have. We have incredible record office that has oh my goodness so so much information about prisoners and i did my own research and went into you know the population and census between certain dates and i only did i think six months and i had four files just off those six months from prisoners whose families lived in these areas you can imagine the just immense amount of records that had to be kept on the, on uh, on these prisoners themselves Again, which is just staggering, and, and you know, that kind of information sitting there, yeah, stories still may be not uh, not known because you know it's a lot of data to kind of work through. Yeah. If you, you can, if, if you're able to have that, but that's so many people. I mean, it's so much it history. It's just it, again, it's just so immense. It's staggering, really, to try and um, think about that. You know, thirty-three yeah. thousand people in their stories how they ended up there what happened to them what happened to them if the, you know once they got out if 
popped out. I mean, it's just huge. Just yeah. kind of yeah. put that into your head and think about that. Yeah. And, means. and and also, you know, are the records right? Or are they just the written word of somebody else's opinion on that person? That's the Absolutely. other thing. Absolutely. And one of the most incredible things about my job is that, you know, yes, I work in, in just the most incredible building. I'm so, so happy and, and blessed that I can do that. But I then get to meet some incredible people that come through the doors uh, of, of the whole site. And some of these people are the relatives, living relatives, direct descendants of the people who are here. And one of the most fascinating things if I can tell you, if you don't mind, is no, the story of, of a gentleman who came in and he had a tour, a paranormal tour with me. And it was just a couple of hours. And he said at the end of the tour, I noticed you kept staring at me. He said, is there a reason for that? And I, I had tried not to stare at this man. And I said, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry. I said, you must think I'm really unprofessional. I said, let me just tell you why. I said, because you just remind me so much of somebody that I have met. And he said, oh, would it help me to tell you my surname? And there are not many times when I'm stumped for words or something will hit me with so much emotion that I can't, I need to take a breath. And he gave me his last name and I, I just... I, I stopped. I stopped functioning because this gentleman was the living direct descendant of one of our prisoners who was hanged and he looked identical to the spiritual form of the gentleman who had been um, hanged at Bodmin Jail. And I just couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> Well, that's, I just couldn't believe it. That's goosebumps on the back of your, you know, your neck moment, isn't well, it? Really. I, well, I, mean, I can give you damage. even more. I can give you even more because Please do. then I said to him and his wife, I said, "Well, can I give you my version of how I feel this particular person was?" And I described him in his um, personality. And I said, and then his his brother, who was also held here at Bobman Jail, who was also hanged at Bobman Jail, I described him and his wife grabbed hold of him and said, oh, my goodness, she has just literally told me about you and your brother. And it was absolutely identical in physical attributes and emotional side personalities of these two people that were definitely reflected in today's brothers. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, that's just staggering, really, isn't it? And it's just yeah. mind blowing. And again, and it also, I was just going to say, it's just <laughs> that kind of full circle, isn't it? It's those connections with the past and the present. And when you have moments like yeah. that, it's just, it's more inspiring. And it's clarification that. The people that I have picked up on, that information can only be known by family members. And if that's given to me correctly, and I've passed that on, and it's been clarified by the people who live today, who would know, and who have those same traits and same personalities, 
that means that everything I was given about those people by the jail, spiritually, by those people, that means that was mm. correct. How can I argue with that? That's, that's stuff I can't make up. It's, it, I mean, like I said, it's just such a privileged, unique position to be able to have those moments. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I have them a lot. It's just incredible. And it's, and again, it's one of those that I think, again, possibly recognizing that it's not just prisoners that you might have those connections with, but it's, you know, people who have maybe worked there in the past, descendants of people who've worked yeah. there, because this was such a vast, oh, yeah. almost compound like. Um, building with medical facilities with wardens with gatekeepers with all manner of different types of staff and people who would come general in general population yeah. staff general population staff guys that were you know delivering the bibles people that were delivering to the jail with 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 things that they needed you know the executioners and their families and the guy who used to you know work with prisoners in the gardens that the, the just the who cleaned you know all of these little details i know a lot would be down to prisoners but who does all this stuff who's responsible and oh my goodness i was given that information correctly because you as a, re a relative who would know these things has just come in here and said to me how would you even yeah. know that and i would because the jail told Absolutely. me <laughs> and the jail really does speak and i think that's what um, people who oh, go realise the jail speaks. I mean, it's just got such that atmosphere, the history, the paranormal. I mean, it's just there in spades, really. I mean, it literally screams all of those things. It, it wants to share what it wants yeah. to share. And, and it does. I mean, people really do come away experiencing incredible different types of phenomena activity, but also a real understanding and a sense of the history, its moment in history as... Um, yeah. And it's still reliving history every Absolutely. single day. And it's still sharing history every day. And this building will continue to do that long after we have gone. Even just the structure itself will continue to give people a tiny bit of information about the past. So um, we've kind of touched upon prisoners and execution. How many prisoners um, were executed on site? 55. 55 that were hanged we never hanged children which is a blessing for me because i don't have to talk about that then in detail but um we hang well i say we didn't hang children and i raise this all the time because it's a very great area and it still is today in society where you know our youngest ever prisoner was part of a double execution we had four double executions here it's where two people are hanged at the same time um publicly and we have a double execution of two gentlemen uh one's much older in his 30s 40s the other one is 17 years old and he was our youngest ever prisoner to be hanged and now this was a, a case of murder and we always think was was the younger one guilty or was the older one covering up for the younger one they both got hanged we'll never actually quite know that bit of information but we did have um yeah just just young people and and we have touched on on a lot of the history and i think hangings is a very prolific part of that um and it, it can't be forgotten because of these 55 people how many were truly guilty how many of them truly truly deserved the sentence of hanging that they were delivered to them because again just like we've been talking about how crime and punishment were so different so was that judicial system you know the, the way that a trial was carried out 
how fair it was, whether they had yeah. access to be, being able to put up any kind of defence. You know, it was so vastly different. So like you said, that kind of journey from being put in front of a judge through to execution, you have to kind of understand the this nuances is... along the way before they ended up where they did. I'll give you a story which I, I kind of try and put this point across to people which I, I share and it's like somebody has had a murder or been murdered sorry so somebody's been murdered and someone else is walking down the street completely unknown to them that there's been a murder that's taken place and they've been out for a, for a a, a quick drink in the pub it's their birthday they're walking back home down a lane and and suddenly they are accompanied by the police who are arresting them um to say you know you've committed murder and this person is completely unknown they're just like i don't understand i i, I wasn't there i've i've just been to the pub i've just i'm just walking home now in this case i'm saying but what about the people who saw this gentleman walk down the street? What about their witness statements? And if you are if you're arrested for something like murder, you could be arrested, you could be taken to court. You do not have the right to defend yourself in these days. You're allowed to say your name. You're allowed to confirm that detail. Then you have people arguing in court around you as to the evidence that is given. And you only have to have two people really one person to say that they saw you and the other person to collaborate that story other witnesses can then come in and say well actually if if they've said that then i know this person they're, they're an upholding up upstanding person in in the community so why would they lie so of course they're going to be telling you the truth so that's three people now who are collaborating that you're guilty even though that's not the issue the issue is Who's telling the truth here? So you then have these people who are who are confirming that what these other people are saying is true, these witnesses or supposed witnesses. So even by a state of circumstances, you can you can find yourself in a situation where you're found guilty. And that's all it takes. And you have no right to appeal, not until later on in history so that doesn't come until the late 18 early 1900s the right of appeal i'm going to go so far as saying 1900s because we didn't even look at criminology until the late 1800s so there are so many aspects to this which is critical to the stories that are being told about the prisoners the truth about them it's that kind of sense isn't it of just how difficult life could be and if you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time where you may end up and how quick and swift that process was from you know that moment being in the dock to then execution I mean was gone well, we didn't have on. CCTV we didn't have DNA I mean, DNA is only a new thing but we didn't have all of these things that could could give us a, a fighting chance if we couldn't even stand in a courtroom and say hey I wasn't even in the county. I was somewhere else. How could yeah. that have been me? I'm not physically capable of doing this. I'm not, you know, I don't even understand what all this means. And there's the other aspect to this. People today are are treated differently and, and assessed to see if they're mentally competent to stand trial. None of these things were into play when we're looking at the people who travelled here from the courts to Bodmin Jail, especially the ones sentenced to hang. 
And again, that's such an important note to realise that, you know, someone's mental capacity was never considered. There were there was all manner of, you know, learned people who had opinions on but it was so commonplace back then because so many things were emerging. And it's it is, it's heartbreaking. And it's it's I mean look how recently not forgetting that. Look how recently, um, and and literally how recently we have accepted um, and this is a very sensitive subject, so I'm going to be very, very careful about my wording. But we had people here who killed children um, and babies. And it's only very, very, very recently that we've looked at the mental capacity of a woman due to postpartum depression or postpartum mental health illnesses psychosis, all of those things, postnatal depression. So when you're looking at cases, I sometimes look at them and think, oh my gosh, they went from being a, a, an up, a upstanding member of, of community as best as they could, even if they were poor. And this is the other thing. Were you rich enough to be not guilty? But you're also looking at this this woman who up until that moment had never done anything wrong in her life and suddenly either because of the pressures of society the pressures of of whether or not you were deemed fit enough to be in society especially if you were an unwed mother but oh my word were you mentally capable of taking care of that child once you'd had them Absolutely. And again, it's just, you can see that shift in, in how things really have moved to a large extent from 100 years ago, 50 yeah. years now. Oh, even 20 um, years, under- even 10, yeah. even 10 years ago. And then you look at cases where women have taken the life of, of a child, uh, of course, one particular lady who, who was here. Um, and I'm actually sitting in the jail, I'm not sitting too far from her condemned cell may I say um, and I I look at this story and think there was pressure upon her there was pressure placed upon this lady to take the life of one of her children just so that she could be welcomed into society as somebody not just a unwed mother with two children who's accountable for that pressure oh gosh absolutely and again that's where you know, you can really see how life was so very different and how yeah. sometimes you were just a product of the circumstances of the time. Of, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Just heartbreaking in terms of that difference in, in wealth, in status. Yeah, and the status between men and women. So, you know, what wouldn't what would be domestic violence for instance? Sorry, another very sensitive subject, but it this is this building is full of these kinds of stories. So when you're looking at domestic violence in society today, I look back at some of these stories and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, but they were they were a beaten woman. Mm. And you know what? They they would say, Well, why are you moaning? Just do what your husband told you to do, and then you wouldn't have any issues. 
behave yourself. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, that's crazy. And then and then they've they've snapped, which of course it is not right. And and they've killed their husband, for instance. And that truly is not right. That's not correct even today. But you're then looking at the circumstances that led up to that that weren't recognized. And and you know, what about the men? Maybe they did things to get out of situations that were similar as well. We just don't know when it did come to that conclusion these were public affairs people often saw them and, and could attract very large crowds of people yeah. very interested particularly if if that person or individual or, or couple of individuals were of real note if this was something sensational within the community you could see huge crowds of 20,000 plus people coming to attend to watch yeah i mean i i look at i look at the headlines today and I reinvent headlines for prisoners who would have been hanged and the, sation, the, the sensationalism that they would put in the press today, we would be like, oh, my goodness. And then I look at the headlines back then and I'm like, whoa, no wonder it was a massive, you know, deal to come and watch this hanging. Mm. You know, oh, my goodness me. And, and when that story is carried and carried and changed and carried you've got people making up little rhymes and they would dance through the streets singing about the prisoners you wouldn't do that today but you would make up rhymes about the prisoners and, and tell stories you know stories to the children to stop them from from committing crime and oh my word is it's mind-boggling it's crazy but again also why you then have this whole other industry that again people who attend Bodmin Jail can can see but this kind of kind of trade afterwards and this kind of movement afterwards of being able to carry that feeling forward of yeah. you know let's let's look at these people as something as a as a warning as a as a yeah. moral lesson you know with things like public um dissections death masks and you know Bodmin Jail has quite a collection shall we say yeah and yeah you know, they were very much there to remind you, to public remi publicly remind people of this is what happens to you. You don't have a consecrated burial. You don't get to have people coming in a around a grave and mourning you. This is where you could end up if you end up doing something that puts you in a similar position. You and are stripped of every aspect of your being. Absolutely. Mentally, physically, spiritually. Haunting because you see those final few seconds of someone's life um, before it's gone, and yeah. you know, and even take part in them. Absolutely, but to be able to see that up close, I think you really kind of are able to then piece together the name with where they were, with what happened to them. It kind of all all ties those threads together, and like you said, having that question, they always guilty. Were there mitigating yeah. circumstances that today would mean that person would have been able to live for another 30, 40 years, possibly have children, you know, have other things happen to them that sadly back then were a very different inclusion? Yeah, you need to look at things that for this building, we had we we would we would absolutely pinpointing those points that you've just made, like to a to a fine detail. And we had just gone from putting people out on a post. So in Bodmin, we have a, a five, it's called five turnings or five, five, yeah, five turnings. 
And it's a place where we had a public hanging post so that no matter where you came from Cornwall, because Bodmin was the county town, so it was the go-through town. It's where we traded and stuff. And, you know, you go you go through Bodmin and you come out of Bodmin, no matter where you are in Cornwall, um, if you're traveling through. And guess what? If we've just hanged somebody, you're going to see them still hanging. It, it, it's just a, such a dramatic thing to have to to live with and and knowing you know maybe mums that were walking down the streets in Bodmin were actually you know we don't walk this way today with our children because of somebody still hanging on a post it must have put so much fear into the hearts of people in this town as well and let alone then become the biggest focal point in the whole of the county notorious for execution yeah it's it's chilling it really is one of I the mean, most feared buildings in this country and but you can understand it. why you can yeah. really understand why I those mean, dark sounds yeah those dark windows the cold wind blowing through the building you've got the isolation you've got the mental uh capacity just being broken down constantly you've got hard labor which would break any individual coming in here you've got this religious aspect you've got everybody looking the same you can't talk you can't look you can't do anything everything is a controlled environment you only see that today in maximum security institutions or uh, very 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 high risk prisoners that are monitored and walked through prisons in in such fine detail everything is managed of course we don't lose the capacity to be able to speak now um or, or look at people but oh my goodness what a crazy place We are about to celebrate hitting our 100th episode of Haunted History Chronicles on the last Friday of April 2023. To say thank you for the months of May, June and July, there are going to be daily paranormal podcasts available to enjoy on all tiers over on Patreon, as well as the usual additional items available over there. Signing up now will gain you access to these, as well as all previous archived content. For as little as £1, you could be getting hundreds of podcasts to enjoy and more and know that you're contributing and helping the podcast to put out another 100 episodes. You can find the link in the episode description notes, as well as on the Haunted History Chronicles website, along with other simple and great ways to support the podcast directly. It's all truly very much appreciated. And now let's head back to the podcast. It's just something that I think for the history alone, people really should have an awareness and an interest in. But then couple that with tying it into the paranormal. And it's just it's haunting to have the kinds of experiences that the jail does and the possible associations then to its past. Again, we've kind of touched on it on it briefly, but it is it is so chilling. It really is something that I think is very unique and, and something that people who are interested in the paranormal would I'm sure love to experience because 
the jail does have that reputation of being one of oh, the most haunted does. places. It certainly does. One of the most haunted places in the world. And try working that. <laughs> so obviously your kind of job is is the paranormal manager. Yeah. What would you say your job your job really encompasses for, for someone? You know, what is it that you do? What's your kind of day-to-day experiences when you're taking groups around and, and so on? So my for me, my job is about helping people to explore the possibilities of paranormal phenomena. It's about connecting them to an environment that they wouldn't be normally used to. It's about helping them to understand the different levels and ways and means of communication. And it's also about people's personal experiences. So not just for themselves, but maybe they have something that they want to achieve as well, like connecting to their family member or relative. Um, But actually, you know what? People have life-changing experiences here. I say it doesn't matter your belief system because no matter what you believe, if it's real, you can get to experience it here. And we cover the whole phenomena, the whole range of paranormal phenomena in one building. That is pretty incredible. Yeah, to experience things like sounds, to experience shadows, to experience um, full apparitions, things moving. I mean, just an incredible array of different type of phenomena in different hotspots and different locations that we are... We have like little sparks of light. We have um, bolts of light sometimes. We have your typical what you would call orbs and manifestations of lights. They can chop and change shape and all sorts. We have partial manifestations, full manifestations in all kinds of ways. We have poltergeists. We have... Uh, non-human entities the darker side of of paranormal phenomena we have probably the highest rate of possession in any haunted building in the whole of of england possession is a very very strong word and it's a very scary word so can we just call it um energy submergence um because it kind of lessens the blow a little bit there we have uh you know people talking to you sounds smells um touching feeling poking prodding we you know people will hold your hand uh, adults and children you you have the pressures and, and the emotional challenges in this building you have the mental challenges physical you have spiritual challenges it just covers absolutely everything and if you think that you just have to be focused and and you know lights out that's not the case i have so many records of people coming through the day that will then share their stories with me and i can actually keep a book on site one in the the attraction one in the shop and one in the hotel because all of these things can happen day and night night and day lights on lights off the only reason i have lights off is to get people to actually focus and understand the building at, at very high levels which is why um people have such intense experiences but oh my goodness this place is is just a phenomena in its own right I mean, I think you said something that I think is is very true of most buildings. You know, you have to kind of look at how it's used and understand how it, how it worked when it when it was kind of awake, when it was busy, when it was it was likely to kind of have that kind of flurry of energy and that burst of energy. Yeah. And, and when a pris- and a prison didn't kind of begin at dawn and finish at a certain time, no. you had a very long day. And again, with so many people working there, not not only the you know the prisoners, it was such a bustling environment. So it completely makes sense that 
activity isn't isolated to in the middle of the night when it's dark yeah that's not when prisoners would have been you know maybe carrying out those hours of hard labor or yeah, isolation in the cells so it makes sense that things happen in those times that would have been very much relevant for the people who lived there and who experienced all of these that are now being picked up and people will say to me all the time you know oh I went through during the day and I didn't really experience anything so we thought we'd come at night and they do experience stuff and they're like well why was that and I'm like but at night time you don't have the distractions you don't have hundreds of people roaming around you don't have all the noises all the day-to-day -day life outside inside that's going on in the jail you're there focusing and taking more interest and it's why it's so important when I take people around on, on my tours that they get that blend of history and paranormal because if you don't understand the physical building that you're standing in you've got no clue what's going on I, I used to get so many people that would dismiss experiences because it didn't fit what they were looking at right there and then um you know and people say to me well this bit's new so how how are we still getting experiences and i because this place was rebuilt in the exact specifications of the building that was once here we're looking at shadows echoes memories of the past we're not looking at physical people anymore so all of these things are very very possible in any building whether it's brand new or whether it's 300 years old it's about the environment that you're in and Oh my gosh, on top of that, you have a building that's made out of 20,000 tonnes of rock and granite. <laughs> what, a, what a conductor, you know, we're in a valley, we've got water, woodland, farmland, we've got all this natural energy. We've, we've built on top of the oldest ley line in the whole of, of, of England, which is St. Michael's Mount ley line. Oh, <laughs> it's just I mean, a phenomenal energy building. upon energy upon energy upon energy, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. and then you get you guys coming in, focusing. Um, and I don't know if you snuck on one of my nights, but you haven't said that to me. But um, and then you get me, who can really lift that and and put that in its in, in perspective. Oh my gosh, the success rate of people having um, paranormal experiences here. You know, even the first or even multiple. I have reoffenders. I have people who come back reoffending on my nights all the time. They come back at time and time and time and time again because every experience is different for them. And even if they know in certain areas that some things particularly happen or they've had those experiences there, they go on to have new experiences. And that's what's so incredible about the paranormal side is that never, ever do you get the same thing twice in the same area. Do you say there are some areas that are more kind of paranormal hotspots than oh others. yes I mean, I mean i think you can say that there are things that happen throughout but would oh, you yeah. say that there are somewhere that there's a real concentration 100 percent. and also the emotional side of this building will have an influx on different times of the year where things will happen as well so but yeah absolutely there are we, we have a room that's our most paranormal room because of the the amount of different phenomena that happens within that space so you can cover the whole aspect the whole literally the whole level uh, from bottom to top of paranormal phenomena in that room then you have other areas like little corridors places that people forget because they just walk through them those sometimes are the most active areas ever constantly in the whole building and why because during the day our our people who worked here our warders they were so busy they were functioning there was a lot going on in those particular spaces so is it a wonder we'll get more poltergeists and things like that in those areas is it any wonder that we get more people touched or feel like they're being touched 
it could just be a brush past you know it's not necessarily someone reaching their hand up with a cold skeletal hand to touch you but yeah absolutely we have spots that are definitely definitely very active but it kind of again makes sense doesn't it that kind of residual energy of someone doing their rounds and you know yeah. if you're in that area at that time having that experience of feeling something I mean, you know makes even sense. which which is going to sound really strange but i have people spiritually who will walk around with me so and i mean like staff that will make sure i can feel them i can i can sometimes see them that will make sure that i'm doing my job correctly make sure that i've locked the doors will will almost say hey uh you're late can you hurry up please that everything has to be in its order i have what i call a watcher and this watcher actually monitors me at the jail. He and he's been photographed. I, 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 you could have absolutely blown me over. I mean, I just couldn't believe when I saw this photograph of a guy that I've described over and over again. And there he is, standing right over me, um, watching what I'm doing. And and he will he will hurry me along, you know. Or sometimes I'll say to people, are you know. We really should be moving from this area and then someone will say oh my gosh i've just seen this guy he's just standing there i can't believe i've actually seen somebody and they'll describe him and i'm like oh my lord that's my watcher this is why i just said i need to be moving on because i'm actually late i shouldn't be in this area with you still it's just incredible that these people are still here doing what they did all those years ago they have just adapted to what we do absolutely and you know i think again it's that different types of experiences you're going to feel different things based on the the spiritual energy that you're you're kind of around at that particular moment yeah. in that space because you're going to have something different based on who you're interacting with and possibly different experiences based on who you're interacting with Very again true. it's those layers isn't it because of yeah. how and who were working there going through the doors in that space it's it's kind of being able to unpick and tease some of those things apart, I think. Yeah. And of course, we do get our regulars. So we do have people who will who will quite often be in the same areas. And, and they're not there every single day or every single time, but they're the common denominators in the building. So somebody will say, oh, my gosh, I've just had this happen. And I'm like, oh, hold up. I think I know who this might be. And then they will tell me. And of course, I agree. And then I'm like, but how do you know if I'm telling you the truth? And this is where all our records, all our documentation, all of the endless hours of work collating all this information about different people's experiences come into play. Um, it's just an amazing building. And I'm still learning every single day. And if you think I walk in here and it's a breeze and they just go, oh, hi, Kirsten, you're back. Oh, it's not like that for me either. Sometimes they give me a run for my money too. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think I, I just think the sheer number of, of experiences that happen there and, and the associations with specific individuals, you know, people of, of note, prisoners of interest, but then also people who worked there whose names you can you can have that piece of record that kind of backs things up. I mean, it's it's such a body of, of evidence and a body of work, I think, that makes it quite unique. And because yeah. of that, the you know the jail really does have such a long list of names that you associate with activity with yeah. their individual history and their and their story really i mean 
you don't get that in very many places but here no. you really do have i mean we we could be here for quite some time if we yeah, every okay. single individual <laughs> spirit that possibly is is there and there's the explanation of this type of activity i mean it's lengthy <laughs> it's so bad yeah, and i and i also get you know connections to their family members so it might not even be them directly it's family members that have since passed away that have connected to to me because their history is in this building you know at, at once as a prisoner so it's very complex the complexities of this building is a science almost in itself <laughs> absolutely so who would you kind of say are some of the for again for anybody who maybe is less familiar who would you say are some of the more common spirits that come and come through those individuals of notes be it if they're wardens or prisoners someone who's ex been executed who would you say are the ones that may be so going by executions which is really easy um so we have giovanni valeri we do connect to him quite a lot he was an italian sailor um who committed the act of murder a single stab wound he was hanged here in 1901 then we have a, a lady who who i don't even i don't think i'm sure of her name um and i know that sounds really strange but you have to be very careful to pinpoint names to spirits because you know as i said i do get relatives of people who come here but there's definitely a lady who will who will um roam around and we connect to her in two places which is really significant to her because both of those areas i actually think she would definitely have been in we have the chief warder um who roams the jail he one of the chief warders he uh definitely is seen um on top of staircases walking through the building uh interacting with people we have the old witch woman or the old hag as she's known as well um she frequents the building in two specific areas as well uh, we have a, a guy i nicknamed the shuffly guy because you always pick him up by sound and he shuffles around um he's now becoming more and more visual as time goes on he's very prolific we have a, a little boy and a little girl um who float around the building um f sorry it's a really bad terminology but who roam around the building um and and we connect with at very very high levels oh my gosh we we have it actually is endless you know that we have the spirits that will only look in your face uh directly we have others who who i believe are awarders um we have a little old man who pushes a trolley around we have a warder that strolls into one of the wings on a frequent basis we have a woman and a man who are seen in the courtyard restaurant we've got poltergeists in the kitchens we've got specific rooms that are, are becoming more and more interesting within the hotel environment uh, we have a guy at the top at the start of the attraction who who run, runs he runs through the glass or or the walls as people will say it now but he used to be picked up before the building was complete again so we just have oh so many so so many i mean like i said it, it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those um places that you could spend months just going through every single individual yeah. possible um, person that it's I've been going through them for eight years and I still can't tell you them all and we should kind of also remember that because this is um a location that has lots of things like artifacts yeah very much that were part of the working prison from things like keys yeah etc you know you have all of these things as well there 
as part of the experience as part of including um, the only the only fully functioning fully working civilian drop pit there is in the country so that's an actively working execution site with the original lever so you know when you have things like that on site of course we don't use them but um you know the these are these are very harsh memories these are very real memories these are objects which will will trigger things to happen as well um at particular times of, of the year so um oh my goodness even even just down to the tiniest little things like pieces of metal which is still steel which is still in the walls um slate shelving how many people how many prisoners touched that you know how many people prayed against them how many people went to sleep on on the hammock hook rings it's just is how many people walked on the slate flooring it's just mind-boggling it's just that kind of collective stored energy isn't it and like you said yeah. it's it's that again having that figure thirty-three thousand people yeah. who have been in that space possibly who have maybe touched that piece of metal how many um how many people who've worked in the prison have held those keys you know it's all of those things and like you said it can trigger experiences it can trigger yeah particular types of residual energy residual hauntings or a uh, phenomena i mean it's it's just this real kind of layered space of different types of yeah. energy for different reasons um which again makes it a unique a, you know a unique place i think yeah and you have to also remember language so you know we were we were from years gone by so we have different dialects different ways of speaking of course we had english we have french and german and italian speaking in here we also had cornish speaking prisoners so you know there's a whole heap of things that that can trigger and and can you know relate back to those times and and understanding the whole as I, I used the word earlier the complexity of this building you know tapping into all of those resources that we have here there's not another building like this in the world that can give you not just the historical content but the paranormal side of it it is just amazing it's just a phenomenal a phenomenal building absolutely and you mentioned at the start that you obviously have this this naval section yeah. our experience they're different do you have different types of things coming through because again just the fact that that's been used in a different way you know you would expect different types of um paranormal activity possibly because of its own unique kind of history to that but do you experience any of that within within the the jail yes and there's a few reasons why firstly it used to be part of um, the main part of a proportion of that wing was the female wing for women and children so you have the layered aspect straight away you then have the naval aspect and the little extension that was placed on your right outside uh the door you have a execution site for public hangings just the other end of that wing you then have the internal second place for hangings on a short drop rope as well you then have areas in that building that contain uh, artifacts you then have areas which were male dominated um, specialized areas only so we do get this kind of overlap of well women were here so why aren't women welcome in these areas you have to look at the building and understand the building that you're standing in to know that women definitely would not have been accepted into these areas at very specific time periods so we do have some grumpy areas for females 
we also have areas where men don't feel comfortable and I think you know at specific times maybe that's because they're translating from the female wing uh, that was there we hear children crying sometimes and then other times it's silence and, and very organized and uniformed and practical which would again float back to the naval aspect of it is this oh and also when I was talking about communication don't forget that Navy press now use whistles to communicate with so you know when that was tried they were getting actual responses back in in real time in relation to the orders they had given by Navy personnel that came in here and blew those whistles I, it's just I don't even know it it's it's just uh, I can't even put into words how as a functioning building as a paranormal building how quite incredible and you know i think you touched on something very important when you were just kind of sharing sharing that kind of specific history of this one spot which is the kind of the naval section and that layered history that it has but i think we as paranormal paranormal investigators really do have you know ourselves are the are very much the tool in so many ways you know what we experience um what we see, what we hear, what we feel as an impression are just as important as something that you may get through on a particular type of gadget that might be used. Because, you know, like you mentioned, if something yeah. has been dominated specifically by a particular gender that you might have a particular type of feeling kind of coming up, you know, you've got to be able to then associate yeah. some of those things with the, the kind of the, the history of that spot. And over time, again, collating that, it's evidence of, well, this is the possible explanation of why in this area people who come in have this feeling this immersion like you mentioned of something some kind of feeling that's oppressing that is different to elsewhere and then comes that question why and there's the possible explanation of that because yeah. this is its history again it's tying those and those making those yeah. connections and i think sometimes we can kind of close ourselves off from the experience of investigating because we can become so focused on something lighting up or something happening but actually we can miss so much having that experience being able to recognize that when we go into a into a location us as the investigator is just as important what do we feel what do we pick up what do we experience that's different in one spot to another spot it's being so much aware of our own personal being within a location as well too i think yeah um and again somewhere like bodmin jail is, <coughs> is kind of <laughs> critical for that i think because it's it can be so different from one area to another area as to what you pick up i mean listen i have to work in this building sometimes by myself or i don't have to i choose to and i clearly want to choose to but I work in an environment that is changeable, it's fluctuating, it's never the same. I need to be able to bring people in and make sure that they are safe. I need to make sure that people understand the world of paranormal and how these things are possible, explore the possibilities. I can't do that using a gizmo or a gadget. I have to get people to understand how this information transfers as language without words. You know, I teach about energy connection, I teach about telepathy, I teach about feeling your environments and understanding those sensory perceptions that you already have within yourself before we move on to the very few items that I use for um, investigation. 
you know, yes, audible recordings are, are phenomenal here. I can't deny that. And I would encourage anybody to take out any piece of equipment to record. So whether that's an actual recorder that you spent hundreds of pounds on or whether it's just your phone, do that because that could be evidence to what you're feeling. And if you can't feel your environment, how are you going to explain what you've just got on a light lighting up you can't and so i have to also understand that um and something else i try and put across is that when i'm working here i'm working with sometimes groups of like 40 people on the daily basis changing through time periods as we go through the clock from one hour to another i need to be able to make sure all of those 40 people are safe i need to do that in pitch black darkness I need to do it with lights on. I need to do it when we're having downtime and when we're focused. How can I do that if I do not understand how to feel the environment around me? And again, I think that feeling the environment around us is, again, something that I think all of us should be very much aware and mindful of. Yeah. Because when we're closed off to it, we miss things. We might miss something being spoken and, you know, you're missing that sound elsewhere. You might miss something that you're seeing because you're so focused on one spot, one thing, and you're missing the multitude, the layers of things that might be happening around you, including how you personally are feeling in that area, you know? Yeah. It's, again, it's just about being mindful, I think. And I think it's something we can divorce ourselves from because we can we can get so immersed in one particular thing when it comes to the paranormal and forget that it's it's something that really embodies and encompasses so many aspects and it's stepping back from that sometimes having that moment of reflection and thinking how can we improve do how can we improve the you know our own practices but also yeah. kind of understand what's happening more how can we be part of that process in in understanding in understanding what's going on and, you know, again, I think somewhere like Bodmin Jail, I mean, it's an incredible <laughs> location to be able it's, to it's amazing. It kind is. of really kind of immerse yourself in some of that because of, yeah, the, yeah, because of the history. But being able to really strip back some of those things and experience yeah. the different types of things you might encounter along that journey if that makes sense yeah it does and for me it's easy because um well i'm going to usually use the word easy all right so it's not easy it's very very complex and very hard to do but i have an advantage let's put it that way that i have done this all my life so i was born being able to connect in the ways that i connect to so for me it's very easy to transfer that understanding over Again, I don't do that with with gadgets. I think, you know, I encourage me, if you want to use, use all those things, you absolutely can. But you need to understand why that's going off. And that also falls down to science as well. It falls down to understanding the piece of equipment, what it's actually used for, how these vibrations happen to pick up these different types of sounds or, or, or um, um, light you know so it is very complex and it is you know it's scientific as much as it is spiritual um i'm just truly lucky that i have the understanding and knowledge uh whether that's from a natural recurring phenomena or whether it's from you know physical uh education that i can i can understand this building even down to the fabrication of what it's made out of and and how that collates information too <laughs> Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. I've, I've stood staring at rocks more than most people would if that's not their job to do that. 
<laughs> Many a times have I talked to a piece of wool and thought, okay, this is going to look really strange on CCTV. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Just amuse myself, no end. Nothing wrong with that, don't worry. <laughs> or I'll suddenly stop and go, oh my goodness me, where has that piece of stone gone? <laughs> because i've noticed the tiniest bit of stonework that's missing um yeah but that's more physical but that's just i just amuse myself as well <laughs> if we're thinking about the the jail and its history and the people that have been through that you know, one particular person's story one you know one particular individual's story who really resonates for you personally who when you know what they experienced what they went through is something that stays with you and sticks with you Oh my gosh, there's so, so many. Um, I, I, <laughs> I have so many, oh my goodness. I always have this problem if I go to a restaurant, it's which which one do I really think is the most, you delicious know, delicious looking piece of the menu? Egg. <laughs> They're so different, their histories are so different. You can, okay. you can um, kind of associate with them for different reasons, but I know it's a tough question. <laughs> is this, is this, are we talking physical or spiritual? Either either so someone whose story that's just one that sits with you that you don't forget who maybe doesn't come through of, each? of course absolutely i'd love to i'm gonna go first of all with a spiritual one because this is what this building is about and the, the people who were once here um and they're they're truly truly important to me and i know no matter what anybody anybody uh, shares with me i know that they listen to so they'll be listening to all of this. Somebody in this building will be listening to all of this. Um, but there's one lady in particular who really hit home to me, and that was a lady who uh, became submerged within my energy. And I got a reflection of her emotions and her physical clothes that she was wearing. Um, and she had actually been assaulted by three individuals, all male, um, and she was just sharing her story with me. And it was so intense for those 10 minutes that it overwhelmed me. It made me very emotional. It made me feel a fear that she felt. Um, and an actual lasting, it, it kind of, it gave me this vibration that stayed with me forever. And I don't think I will ever, ever forget meeting that lady on a very very cold very very wet night and standing in a completely derelict empty abandoned building um and that is what we now call our or was always known as our male civilian wing um and i just think that was very impacting for me i mean i've had hundreds some funny some scary some just emotional like that but I think that one spiritually will never ever leave my side the other more fun one spiritually is after Covid um, and I felt three I saw them running um, and before I knew it I felt these three people hug me as if they were greeting me back um, and I just don't think I can ever quantify how amazing that experience was for me um, one physically was a gentleman who connected to his friend who he had lost. Um, he'd been suffering trauma since that had occurred and had obviously been seeking mental health um, help and advice and, and encouragement and support at very, very high levels. Um, and he came to the jail 
and I connected him with his friend, which was just an, it's an honor every single time that I managed to do that. But this had such a, a profound, it was, it was such a profound experience for him that it left him with a huge impact that actually helped him to recover the loss of his best friend. Um, and that was notable in in medicine when he had gone back to to his mental health team. And I I think that's quite incredible um, that you can do something like that for somebody, and it has such a huge impact. And I have actually many 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 stories like that. Um, and of course, delivering the news to somebody that their loved one has passed away since they've been here at the jail uh, is is a very scary um enlightening emotional and and just an experience i will never ever forget never forget and there's a there's a few very similar ones including things like ongoing court cases and and stuff like that again just it's chilling isn't it you could just get lost in some of it i think sometimes because it's you know the emotion behind it is something i think when you feel a connection like that, when you have an experience like that, it's something that does stay with you. So I can completely understand yeah. you know, some of those that you, you pick up. I think when that connection is there, when you feel it, when that energy is there, it's, it, it really does stay with you. And I think it's part of the reason why, for anybody who's interested in the paranormal, it's often those experiences that last um, Far more yeah, I than... mean, defining small details of somebody's life when they've since gone. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been able to transfer that information at, at such high levels to somebody, um, and for them to say, "Oh my goodness!" Like, how? How? How is that possible? That not only would I know that that this could actually happen. Um, it's just. It's incredible. It's quite incredible. And and as humans, we, you know, we we don't use our abilities enough, and and we don't connect to them. But it is an absolute privilege to be able to, you know, deliver work that I do to people who visit here, and just the hope that they could get a glimmer or or a or a chance to say or speak to their loved ones that have passed on. And, and then to be able to deliver information to family members of prisoners here that sometimes suffered the most traumatic ends to their life, like hanging, is just, you know, this is why I come to work every day. This is why I love my job. This is why I am, I'm so emotional about the building because I don't think that people appreciate how much this building can actually Absolutely. give you spiritually. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I really do hope anybody listening who hasn't enjoyed visiting Bodmin, um, taking one of your tours or, or any of the other types of activities and events that yeah, it, it hosts, please check it out. Please go and visit. Go and explore Cornwall because, you know, we... we we should also say that this area itself is so fascinating. It's, oh, it's so, just beautiful. I mean, it's rich with folklore. It's rich with yeah. history. It's legends, myths. I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, you know, the Beast of Bodmin with the yeah. skull and all of these other things, that, again, attached with the jail, but also a part of the area. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's incredible, really. 
yeah it is it is you know and and I, it's it's such a beautiful part of the country and like you say it's so steeped with folklore and legends and but are they just folklore again and such an important question that is a whole <laughs> other podcast i think because yeah. they are fascinating they're really incredibly fascinating and absolutely something that i think someone would love to explore if they haven't already. So I hope this kind of motivates people to I hope so. visit and explore and, and see the wider area for its beauty and that kind of history itself. And I so, think also it might be nice to add that, you know what, I spend a lot of time talking to this building and connecting and I ask them the same questions. Was that real? Did that actually happen? Can you hear what people are saying? What do you think of those stories? Yeah. How do you see what we're doing now? I ask the most obscure questions. I don't just ask, is there anybody out there? <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> That's a bit of a tired question, I think, within the paranormal. <laughs> So that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, forgive forgive me for every person that does. It's a very logical question to ask. It is a logical if, question. What if they say no? What next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a conversation finisher, isn't it? Really? No, there's no, no one here. It's, you know what? It highlights personality and it explores <laughs> the possibility that it's not all dark and gloom, but actually, these people were people before they were ever prisoners. Absolutely. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of tapping into the things that made them tick and, you know, things that they may be are something that would resonate with them, like language, like the Cornish language. Yeah. There's so many things that um, for them would have been very, very real. But again, when you have glimmers of their personality and then them coming through, even if it's just to say no to be facetious, had, it's quite I've fascinating. I've had stalkers in here. I've had people who have followed me around. I have people who who try and practical joke me. You know, I have, I have some of the most incredible experiences. And then I also get the ones who don't like me because I'm a female, I'm a woman, and that's not done in society to have a level of authority and, and responsibility in a building like this. So I have to remember I'm walking through a prison with a whole multitude of different personalities and different people and, and different experiences in their lives as well. It's not just about them being a prisoner. So, you know, I absolutely implore people to just to come here and just submerge, experience this building in its true capacity. And that and I'll, is and I'll make sure that you know prison, details of the prison go on the podcast description notes and on the website and so on, so that when it goes out live, thank you. Anybody listening will be easily signposted because you know, just the website alone, you get so much information. There's so many things you share publicly, like um yeah. documentation for those that have, have been executed. So you can actually read individual stories. You know, you're you're giving this information yeah. to the public for a reason. And so having that up on the website and up yes. on the podcast I hope people kind of take use of that and, and come and find out more and explore and and like I said yeah. come and possibly visit and visit Cornwall because I don't think people would regret it it's a beautiful part of the world and an incredible part of no thank you history so thank you so much for your time you no, are you're welcome and I mean and so Paranormally, um, if people wanted to get an insight on some of the stuff that actually happens on Facebook, then I 
developed a Facebook page so that people could know that the stories I tell them about other people's experiences are true because I actually document them and place them up there. There's photographs, there's video footage, sound recordings, and all up upcoming things like this podcast is up there already. Um, so if people are interested, it is, it's literally just, um, it's there, Crest and Honey, After Dark, The After Journey. And like I said, I'll make sure that we get all of that up so that it's yeah. easy for people to find. Because, you know, I yeah. know myself, if you're looking for something, it's sometimes the thing that you, you want to look crazy. for the most that you can't find. Yes, um, crazy. So having there is just a, a direct link to on. that page, actually, on, on uh, when you go to book the After Dark tickets, it's right at the bottom. But yeah. for clarity, you're very welcome to add that page too. So honestly, thank you so much for your time. You're you very, very to, welcome. You'll have to come back again if anything changes, if anything happens, if there's some exciting new bit of research or something that you've uncovered. You know, <laughs> always, please. I totally, always, always, always. And um, yeah, maybe a, a podcast on dogs. Yes, <laughs> animals or Cornwall, just other experiences. Because, yes, of course. You know, we sh you know, we shouldn't forget that you have such a... Um, a long history with the paranormal you know it's not just Bodmin jail you yeah. you know this is something that you've been very much interested in for a, a lot longer your whole yeah, life my so, whole life you know yeah, I'm, I'm sure lots more stories that we could possibly share and do <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah you're very welcome to it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for asking because you know what it's so important for me that people get the r realistic view of this building and and actually have an understanding of why we have the reputation that we have here paranormally around the world yeah i agree and i, I you know for me as well i think it's important to get some of the real history and the real paranormal activity because mm -hmm sometimes it can be very different to what actually happens and you know things get muddled up or yeah something that gets something gets put out there as fact when it's not and so it's, I'll it's send great you, um, a, a link to or I'll send you uh, the name of a book that was written about paranormal phenomena um, by by a gentleman called Richard Estep and he wrote The Hanging Pit I've um, read it I it, have he's been on as a guest he is phenomenal yes. he is absolutely phenomenal so. so he i've just spent a week with him um and he is uh, very excitingly writing his second book on the paranormal at bob and jail so something for people to look forward to because yes his books really are such a deep dive into into I areas will sign your book so. for you so you have a signed copy as well oh my gosh I would love that <laughs> and that's me. also that's also something else you know if anybody has purchased this book has got it um I'm very 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 happy to sign copies for them um it's it was such an experience and, and I know Richard um, really encourages me to do that as well. But it's it, his words that are written um, are absolutely one hundred percent fact. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, he wouldn't have it any other way. But he knows I also wouldn't have allowed it if it wasn't. So yeah, it's a really good book, interesting, and it's an easy read. It's easy to read that book. It's not hefty. It's not quantum physics. <laughs> no, and I think I think you have to have that flair of of writing to be. Able to do oh, that, he does. To be able he's, to he's share incredible. the history as well he's as incredible. still have humour, but still be imparting wisdom and information yes. and knowledge and experience. And he 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 is just such a natural writer. I think he's. He I, I think he's almost, possibly because of his his career, but 
being able to speak with so many different people, I think, means he's a very good communicator and that comes through yeah. in his writing. So Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And uh, I hope this time he puts paranormal bloopers in the second book. <laughs> but that definitely won't be for the faint-hearted, I can assure you. Because he is very funny. <laughs> he is. He's hysterical. He's, He's hysterical. so funny. I've worked with him now for uh, over three years. And, and let me tell you, he's he's one of my kindred souls, I have to say that. Um, he's he's just, yeah. And you know what? I can't wait to go over and visit him too again. That would be lovely for you, I bet. Yeah. It's so gonna honestly, be. I could talk to you forever, I think, because, <laughs> you know, you honestly, you are so passionate about what you do and it's so thank lovely you. to have that. So thank you so much for your time. It's been incredible. And uh, I'll say goodbye to everybody listening. Bye, thank everybody. Goodbye. If you've made it to the very end of the podcast and value what content and guests I try and put out, please could you help take part in the following challenge to help celebrate our 100th podcast episode. I need your help. If you listen on Apple or have never listened to the podcast over there but are able to, please head on over, listen to an episode or several and please leave a review over the month of April to celebrate our 100 episodes. I'm hoping we can achieve 100 reviews on the Apple platform. If we do, then I'm looking to set up some live question and answer calls, along with some other events to help celebrate us achieving this target. Haunted History Chronicles podcasts needs you. Thank you.